Well, uh, it's good to be with you. I, I can't remember if I announced this last time I preached, but um, my wife and I are now official members of Global Outreach Foundation, the Nifaratis Ministry. So if you want to check us out um, on the internet, globaloutreachfoundation.org, um, there's a cute little bio of my wife and I. It makes us sound like we're the coolest people ever. So <laughs> if you get an opportunity to check that out, that's great. Okay. Um, real excited about that and the stuff that God's doing in our lives. I preached not too long ago, just a few weeks ago. How many of you were here for that? Okay. Um, felt like it was a significant message from heaven on, on the cross and the times that we live in. Um, it was just a few weeks ago, not long at all. Since that time, um, Robin Williams has committed suicide, sadly. ISIS has risen up and beheaded American journalists. America's found themselves you know, more on the offensive and the defensive. Russia um, has advanced further into a whole-scale war. The situation in Israel has escalated. And as I'm sure that you guys have had some issues in your own life since then. Can you say amen? And it's just been a few weeks. You know, I turned on the news the other day. I, I, I get my news, but I usually do it in increments. You know, just small little doses, okay? But I actually watched the news for like over an hour, which was probably a mistake. <laughs> Seriously, you know what I mean? Better, you know, to read about it a little bit. Okay, this is happening, that's happening. Okay, I'm going to pray about that, God. But if you stay there too long, it can get quite depressing. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Okay. So there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, it's enough to move you in your head. Now, pastor asked me to share this message. I was really... Grateful. He called me or texted, I think he texted me and asked me to share on um, freedom in your mind, okay, during the times that we live in. And he was, he was quite moved as I was uh, over the suicide of Robin Williams. Um, there's a guy who, by all appearances, when you would see him on screen, seemed like he was full of joy, you know, had all the answers. And, uh, you know, and sadly, you know, he got to such a dark place that he took his own life. Uh, and pastor asked me, he said, you know, in light of this and everything going on in the world, and, you know, it, it could just be overwhelming to our minds. So he asked me to share on this specific topic. So I'm really going to be doing more teaching today um, than preaching. I know I always say that and end up preaching, um, but I really am going to do more teaching today, which is good because I, I got rid of, I lost part of my voice yesterday at um, my son's soccer game. So you'll have to forgive me. <laughs> okay. And uh, I'm the coach too. So in addition to him, I'm yelling at all the other kids too. So, and uh you know, on the way home, I thought, you know, oh, yeah, I got to preach tomorrow. Maybe maybe I shouldn't have yelled quite so loudly, but if you've ever coached uh, teenage boys, you'll understand why I was yelling. <laughs> okay. Um, I'd like you to open your Bibles, if you will, to the book of John, the disciple John. John chapter 19. If you don't have your Bible, we're going to put the scriptures up here for you. I believe we have those. John chapter 19. Do we have that, Alex? How come I don't? There it is. Asking you shall receive. John chapter 19, verse 16. If you're there, say amen. It says, so the soldiers took charge of Jesus, carrying his own cross. He went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Everyone say Golgotha. It's kind of an ugly word, isn't it? 
Luke chapter 23, verse 33. I'm going to show you something. It said when they, you can just read up here. When they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Now, Calvary sounds like a much nicer word, doesn't it? This is Calvary Church, so please say amen. Um, it got me thinking. What's the difference between Calvary and Golgotha? You ever wonder that? Because it said he was crucified at Calvary and it said he was crucified at Golgotha. And so I started wondering, was one more like a, the whole locale and one was a specific hill and this and that? Turns out they're exactly the same place. Calvary is the Latin word and Golgotha is the Aramaic word. Both of them mean the place of the skull. Which was interesting. And the way my mind works, I thought, hey, pastor, if we need a new logo, we could get a skull and crossbone. <laughs> Bad idea. <laughs> that will draw them in, right? <laughs> Come to our church. It's full of dead man's bones and skulls. Okay. The place of the skull. It's interesting. I mean, this, you know, when, when this stuff happens to me and I find something like this in the word, it really inspires me. So pastor asked me to preach on this. He's like, you know, I want you to preach at Calvary. Uh, this message on the mind, and then I go research Calvary, and the word Calvary means the place of the skull, which is interesting. Because this is the place where most attacks come. Can you say amen? And so I found it interesting. I, I think there's a whole prophetic thing there about this church and about getting free and this place being a stronghold of, of uh, positive, pure, sound, well-balanced thinking. You understand? I, I believe this is that kind of place. And we all need that kind of place to go into. Can you say amen? Um, because if you get away from that kind of place, you can get messed up. Anyone ever been messed up in their mind and their thinking? Yeah. Listen, I'm a thinker. I never stop thinking. You know, I love to watch movies. My daughter loves to watch movies. She's just like me. We love to watch movies. And one of the reasons I love movies is because I stop thinking whatever I'm thinking and I just start thinking about the movie because I find it difficult sometimes to shut off. You, got, you guys, you, you, you understand? Busy mind. Sometimes I envy those people that, you know, they're, they're just able to just whatever, just shut up. I have a hard time doing that. And the more you do and the more you're involved in, um, the more you're thinking. You know, and the more kids you have, the more you're thinking. <laughs> Can anyone say amen? You know what I mean? I mean, uh, I got an email from a, a parent the other day, you know, most of you know, I'm a school teacher asking me, you know, can you kind of mentor my son and, you know, and meet with him twice a week and, you know, and call me about, you know, and I thought, you have no idea how busy I am mentoring my own son <laughs> right now. You know what I mean? Anyone ever had a 15 year old son? Okay. So then you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. It's a full time job just taking care of him. And he's a really, really good kid. But um, by the time I drive him from, you know, to school and the cross-country practice and soccer practice and home, and he's got homework, and he's taking Spanish right now, and I was never good at Spanish, and neither is he. <laughs> you know, it is what it is. You know, and so I'm laying awake at night, you know, thinking, geez, how am I going to get my kid through Spanish? You understand? And ISIS has come, you know what I mean? You know, we've got a whole spectrum. Of stuff that will keep you busy, you know? You know, the, the grass, I got to mow the grass. I got soccer practice. We got school pictures, you know, field trip, come up, you know, all that stuff. And then all the stuff at home, what's for dinner, 
you know, I got to get the oil changed in the car. You know, you're going to bed and you just, it can be overwhelming. And then when you start to think about all the problems in the world, then you're like, why even mow the grass? <laughs> right? Why even bother doing, making dinner, doing anything? You know, it can be completely overwhelming. But I want you to see something here. The scripture said they took Jesus to Calvary and they crucified him. They took him to Golgotha, the place of the skull, and they crucified him. Here's the insight. Jesus won victory for all who would believe at the place of the skull. Just hang and meditate on that for a second. It is not by accident. Nothing is by accident when it comes to Jesus. And it's not by accident that his victory took place at the place of the skull. It is literal that he was there in Golgotha, and it is symbolic of the victory that Jesus has won for your skull and for mine. Listen to me. Freedom is available in our minds during the times that we live in because of the cross. You know, these, uh, these worship, aren't these worship people amazing? First of all, they sing nice, which makes me envious. <laughs> I think I told you all the story about uh, when I was in choir in ninth grade and I up to that point, I just figured I could sing well. Um, my mom had always told me, you could do anything. <laughs> you know, you could be president, you know. And, I, and, and so I'd always been good at sports, so I just believed I could do anything. And then one day in ninth grade, I was singing, and uh, the chorus lady stopped and said, who is so off key? And this is a true story. I thought, I wonder who it is. <laughs> it never even occurred to me that it could be me because my mom had told me I could do anything, and I believed it, you know. <laughs> So that happened three times before I stopped singing. And I realized that it was me. And I went home that day thinking, I'm not going to be president, you know. <laughs> um, so I am envious in a good way of people that can sing. Um, but these people, they worship, they're so pure-hearted. I, I tell you, I was in here when they were warming up. And when they warm up, when they practice, they worship. They're not just singing, they worship. And the place was, I mean, I was coming in here, and it was about 8 o'clock, and they were warming up. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, they the presence of God and they love God so much. And, and I know all those people and I, I, I know them all pretty well. And I know some of them, you know, better than others, but, um, but I know how pure hearted they are. And, uh, and it blessed me. I told pastor Luke on the way he was coming in. I said, I just need to tell you, I just know that God's going to move through you guys. Cause you're, he's done like this whole transition thing. And you guys are just so pure hearted and everybody on that stage just loves God so much. It's just so wonderful to be there. Um, and so here I am singing or worshiping and they're singing about the blood and I'm thinking, I don't know if everybody understands why the blood, why the blood, why do we sing about the blood? So I thought, well, I would tell you all. Can you say amen? The blood refers to that sacrifice, the cross. And without that cross, you know, we can't be saved. And so that's what we're singing about. Love come down. Love came down. Love didn't just come down and hang out. Love came down and died. But because of that death, burial, resurrection, and glorification of Jesus Christ, freedom is available to every part of us. None, none less the, the skull, your brain, the stuff that goes on in your mind. And there's a lot of people that I find during the times that we live in that are really struggling with their thought life, really struggling with depression, with anxiety, with anger, with unforgiveness, with unrenewed thinking. And today we're going to talk about how freedom is available for you. Can you say amen? Second Timothy 1.7, if we could pull that up, says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craving and craning and fawning fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of a calm and well-balanced mind, discipline and self-control. Listen, doesn't that truth just set you free when you lay hold of that? 
Do you know, first thing I want you to see here when it's talking about um, fear, okay, or anxiety, that type of thing, is that's a spirit. A lot of people don't, see, the, the devil in, in America and in Western culture wants to make people think that he's metaphorical, okay? Who's been to Africa with me in here? Raise your hands, you've been to Africa with me? Okay, those, nice and high like you wore deodorant, okay? All of you that have come to Africa with me, we've cast out demons out of people so we know that he's real, yeah. Right? We've been there, done that, and he's, the, the devil's terrified of Jesus, just so you know. Okay, so you don't have to be afraid of casting out demons. It's, it's not scary without the creepy music. If you see it on TV with the creepy music, it makes it terrifying. But without the creepy music, it's, it's not scary at all. You're just like, come out in the name of Jesus, and you know, it's not because of you, but the enemy is afraid of Jesus Christ. You understand, the devil was, was an angel. You know, it's not like there's this fight going on between God and the devil and God's hoping that he wins. He, he, he's nothing. He was thrown down to the dirt. God allows him to exist during this time because he uses him uh, for God's purposes. It's something that we can't fully understand, but I will just tell you this. It has to do with the devil said, I will be like God. And God said, no, I'm throwing you down to the dirt. But while I'm at it, I'm going to take the dirt, breathe life into it and raise them up to be the very thing that you wished you could be. Do you understand that? I mean, we could go home right now after that. <laughs> you understand? That's when we go through trials and tribulations. and We're like, God, why do you let me go through this? Well, listen, on the other side is you're a son or daughter of God with all those benefits for eternity. You understand? So when you're like, Jesus, I want you to be my savior, that confession is going to be tested. Okay? But it's worth it to submit to God and go through the stuff that he allows us to go through because he's developing character in us so that we can uh, walk with him during the ages to come. Are you with me? It's exciting when you think about it. So he's kind of in the devil's face. I'm going to take this dirt and make it just like me. And I'm going to take you right down to the dirt. I'm going to breathe life into this dirt. Right? Remember Adam and Eve are made of dirt. And he breathed his life into them. And he's like, I'm going to sit back and watch as the dirt devours you. You know, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Do you see that? Isn't that exciting? Sometimes we think the devil has more power than us. He doesn't. That's, he wants to tell you that, but it's a lie. You know, so that you'll be afraid. Anyone ever been afraid? I've had those struggles with fear. I want you to understand something. Fear is a spirit. And the spirit of fear will try to come on you. You understand? And you have to take authority over that spirit. Because God says, you know what? When that spirit comes, it's not from me. I want you to hang there because there's going to be a time in everyone's life when you feel that. And I want you to recognize God said, you know, that thing that's trying to come on you, it's not from me. And you just need to tell it to go. You need to rise up and tell it to go in the name of Jesus. God's not given me a spirit of fear. But he has given me a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. And when you confess and agree with what heaven says, it's established. See, the Bible says every word is established with two or three witnesses. Okay, that's all through the scriptures. And so what happens, heaven is speaking and hell is speaking. The devil speaks and God speaks. And we get to decide, you know, whose report will we believe. And if we align ourselves with what God says, it's established. But if you align yourself with what the devil says, it can be established. So it's so important to know what God says. The problem is so often we feed ourselves all the wrong things. We listen to all the wrong voices. It's really as simple as those cartoons when we were kids, when you had the, the little devil and you had the little angel. And, you know, and they're both talking, except for they, they made the angel look weak, which, you know, anybody who's ever seen an angel is terrified. If you read the scriptures, the first thing that the angel says is, don't be afraid. Evidently, they're scary looking. 
You know what I mean? They're supposed to, they're really big and, they, you know, they will take you out. And there's no, there's no uh, female angels in the Bible either. They're all like studs. You know what I mean? <laughs> they will take you out if they want. All right, so the angel shows up in the scripture and people are like, ah! And the angel's like, don't be afraid, I'm from God. You understand? And even then, you're going to be a little careful around an angel. You understand? So God speaking and the devil speaking and who we believe, that's what's established in our life. I want you to understand that God said in his word that he has given you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Everyone say, I have a sound mind. Amen. Isn't that exciting to say that? Because sometimes we say things like, I'm going crazy. That's not a good confession. <laughs> you, you know, if, if you had a tape recorder and you could listen to the things that you say sometimes, you know, I'm going crazy. You kids are making me crazy. And then people wonder why they're going crazy. <laughs> Insight. The times that we live in require courage and stability in our minds, our will, and emotions. I'm going to say that again. The times that we live in require courage, stability in our minds, will, and emotions. It's not God's will for his children to be swept to and fro in their thinking and emotions, but instead, having done all to stand in faith, trusting in God's goodness, not moved by circumstances, the dark times that we live in, or soulful assaults from the enemy. God wants you to stand. God wants you to have confidence and courage in him and the work that he's done inside of you, no matter what happens. And we need that. I just talked to you about the whole range of events that has just happened in the last few weeks. Right? And tomorrow, there'll be something else. That's why the Bible's like, you know, just worry about today's troubles. Isn't it interesting that it says that, today's troubles? The, the applied assumption is that there's going to be trouble today. Right? Do you remember Jesus was like, in this world you have trouble. God, why are you doing it? In this world, you will have trouble. You have a fallen world. That's what happens when people sin. That's why people get old, ugly, and die. It's the effects of sin. Do you understand that? You really stop and think about that. Like my grandmother, I, when she got married, um, my grandma Russo, I see a picture from her wedding in 1926. She was a beautiful young lady. I mean, she was gorgeous, not a wrinkle anywhere. You know, by the time I knew her, there were wrinkles everywhere. You know, I, and I looked in the picture and I was like, Grandma, you were a rock star, you know. And she was a beautiful lady, but I want you to understand something. What's happened is, we call it aging, but you understand it's the effects of sin. When you go to heaven, you don't ever get old. Can you say amen? You go to heaven, you don't ever get old. Your back doesn't hurt. Your knees don't hurt. Your teeth don't wear out. You understand? Pastor Claude used to... Do that joke, he was like, whenever I want to go necking with my wife, I have to go get my teeth first. <laughs> I was like, thank you for that image, Pastor Claude. <laughs> it was funny, though. <laughs> you all understand? The effects of sin. We live in a fallen world. Part of what God is doing is he's allowing us to be inoculated, if you will. He's shown this is the effect of when you do things outside of my will. So in the ages to come when God's like, don't do that, we are like, okay. And we will trust him rather than selling out so easily. You understand? The, the, you know, as soon as the enemy shows up, what does he get you to do? The very first thing he did was to try to get Eve to doubt God. He still does the same stuff. Right? God says something and he shows up and he tries to get you to doubt. 
God's like, you're fine. And then the devil's like, are you really? Do you see what I'm saying? And then we start to meditate on what the devil says rather than what God says. And God wants us to get to the place where we just trust what he says and we tell the devil to shut up. You can tell him to shut up. Just tell him to shut up. Just tell him to be quiet. Again, Jesus won. I'm going to give you a mouthful here. Jesus won the victory for all who would believe at the place of the skull. But as it is with all things in the kingdom, that victory is accessed and enforced in your life through faith. You see, Satan is a liar, and when he speaks, he speaks from his nature, that of a liar. But if we listen to him, he can sound very convincing, and therein lies the issue. In addition to this, God has given us emotions, which are a wonderful, beautiful gift, but if not controlled, can be easily manipulated, both by darkness and, by the way, also by people. Jesus won the victory at the place of the skull, but the enemy still tries to attack there. You see, if you've repented of your sins, asked Jesus to be your Savior, and have put your faith in His atoning work on the cross, the Bible reveals that you have been given a brand new nature in your spirit. The old is gone, and the new has come. When that has happened, the Holy Spirit is residing inside of you, and the devil cannot come and possess that part of you. I want you to know that. Have you been born again? You ask Jesus in your heart, you are saved. The, the devil cannot come and possess you, like you have seen in those movies. By the way, don't ever watch those movies. You understand? Okay, th- that they're bad. You understand? They're not good. But when I was a kid, I saw some of that. And I was so scared, I had to go sleep in my older sister Lori's room. <laughs> yeah, which, that was by faith anyway, because she was in a bad mood from like 15 to 35. But I would knock on the door and say, Lori, can I come sleep in your room? And she was like, fine! You know, and I was like, thank you! You know. <laughs> she got the Italian temper, I didn't. I'm, I'm Italian and Irish, you know, and, uh, and, and um, I got the nose, she got the temper. <laughs> you know? But uh, it was scary. It made me scared. So you don't want to sow that scary stuff inside of you. But the thing is, is if you ask Jesus into your heart, if you've genuinely repented, you don't have to live in fear that the devil's going to come possess you and that your head's going to spin around and you're going to start talking weird and all that and, and foaming at the mouth and all that. That's not going to happen to you. If Jesus, if the Holy Spirit is living there and residing there, Jesus, his father, they come and they take up residence in there and the devil doesn't dwell in that unapproachable light. Okay, can you say amen? So like everybody who's been worried about that, Stop worrying about that, okay? However, he attacks your mind. And although victory is available, the Bible teaches in Romans 12 that the mind must be renewed. So while your spirit is instantly brand new and you receive Christ, there's a process that your mind goes through. Old ways of thinking must be replaced with the truth of God's word. Anywhere, listen, this is the really important part. Anywhere where we resist this process and we retain sympathetic attitudes towards evil, refusing to present them to the light, you will find demonic activity and oppression. So although you will not be possessed, you can be oppressed by the devil in areas where you are sympathetic towards evil. Meaning the Holy Spirit is saying, you must get this out of your life and you don't. I have a, I told you, a 15-year-old boy, okay? Um, My son, praise the Lord, by the grace of God, has never put porn before his eyes. Which I want to tell you as a high school teacher is a very rare thing, sadly. But when he was 11, I sat him down and had a conversation with him. And I told him that behind this stuff are demons. And I know some people don't teach this, but that's the truth. You understand? You're opening yourself up to the demonic realm. When you wander into areas that are disobedient to what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. And I, I had this conversation with uh, my sophomore class the other day. We got preaching. I, we, I got preaching. And um, 
it was really funny. I had my Bible open, and, and we were preaching. <laughs> and uh, one of my former students came in and was like, hey, do you still do Bible study in the morning? I was like, no, nah, I just do it right during class now. <laughs> you know. I don't know how we got there, but I was having a conversation. I was teaching them that um, those people, because here's the thing. It's very hard for me because I know the stuff they're struggling with, and I know they need the Word of God. And at the risk of my job, I need to tell them that every time they get on the phone and they look at pornography, they're opening up their minds to demons. They didn't know that. Their dad didn't tell them that. My son knows because I told him. And so my son, has he's been nervous about that. So when somebody's like, look at this, see, because of truth, he's like, I don't want to see that. Because he understands that he will open himself up to demonic oppression. Not possession, but to see that the devil's been given legal access to dwell in darkness. I'm going to show you the scripture in a second, but it said that those angels that rebelled against him, and he was one of them, were chained in everlasting darkness. Now, that's a literal darkness, but it's also a figurative darkness. Anywhere that there's darkness, the absence of light, the absence of God, you can find the enemy moving. Are you with me? And so this is why he attacks our mind, because sometimes we're like, well, that's not that bad. Are you hearing me? And listen, we have grown, I'm going to tell you right now, in a church with this many people, and particularly in second service too, with that many people, there's probably men and women that are, are struggling with the same thing that those 15-year-old kids are. And I want you to know that if that's you, you're opening yourself up to demons. See, when you look at it like that, it's not just that you're feeding the lust of your flesh. By the way, the spirit behind that is the spirit of Jezebel. And it is designed to weaken men so they cannot take their place in society as men of God. See, and when you understand that, you recognize this thing is trying to tempt me from being the man of God that God wants me to be. And that is enough for many people to say, no, I close the door on this. I crucify my flesh and my thought life because I want to be the man of God that God's called me to be. I want to be the man in society. I want to be the priest of my home to my wife and to my children. I want to walk in holiness and purity, and I want to hear him say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. And this is enough. Can you say amen? It is enough. Grace has been made available to not struggle in those sense. The problem is we've said it's too hard, it's too hard. But the thing is, is you know, this is what with the word of God, you come to church and the word of God and it sets people free because it answers questions. And people are like, I didn't know that when I was at my computer that I was asking demons into my house. That's what's happening. And that ought to be enough for people to stop. But let's take any area of darkness that you know that the Holy Spirit... And, oh, here's what I want to tell you with the kids. The kids in school, when I asked them, I said, how many of you feel guilty and you know, and I use the word, and you get convicted, and you know that stuff is wrong? Every hand in the class, every kid in the class raises their hand and they say, I just know that that's wrong. Even if they're not saved, here's why. The Bible said the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. Do you see that? And so as the Holy Spirit is in the earth, it's convicting children. Please don't do that. And so here's what I tell the kids. I understand your flesh wants to do that type of stuff. But I said, let me give you a little analogy. There's a three-year-old and the three-year-old thinks that the pretty glass top stove, when it's all heated up, looks nice and looks like something to touch. Here's what today's mindset in the world would say. Let's just let the child experience the stove for himself. You know, don't judge him for wanting to touch the stove. 
there's really no right or wrong here. You know, if he touches the stove and, and that's for him, well then, you know, who are you to tell them that that's bad? <laughs> Excuse me? We've gone crazy. <laughs> right? That's ridiculous. Love grabs that child and keeps them from the stove. So I must, I feel compelled, tell them the truth. You mess with that stuff, you get demons. You tra- demons traffic in the area of darkness. Like, I know people are uncomfortable talking about demons, especially in America. They would, they would rather just believe that everything's hunky-dory. Let me tell you something. There's evil in the world. When you see a guy just cut off another guy's head like it's just been happening in ISIS with absolutely no mercy and no remorse, it, that's evil. That's bad. That's not, oh, he just went, but that's demonic. Do you guys understand? Listen, the devil's real. God is real. This whole thing is real. The spirit realm is real. We don't talk about it a lot because we're uncomfortable because sometimes people are like, well, I'm afraid that, you know, if I tell people the truth, they won't, and not in this church, but the people, they're like, if I tell people the truth, then, then they won't want to come back. You have to be confident enough to share the truth and let people decide. You understand? Are they going to serve God or are they going to serve the devil? And if you don't want to accept it, that's your business. But everything I'm saying is in the Bible. You understand? That's where we go. to. What does the Bible teach? The Bible teaches that, that, that Satan has legal access to darkness. And so any area that we allow the enemy to, or that we allow in our lives that is unsubmitted to God, you can find demonic activity. Are you guys hearing me? There should be a little bit of fear associated with that, the fear of God. Because when God says, don't touch that, and we're like, oh, you know, it's not really that bad. And then we allow that stuff into our lives, then we will reap what we sow. And the Bible's like, look, you need to walk around and be careful. Walk carefully because the devil is roaming around. He's been let out for a short time, and he's roaming around like a devouring lion. You guys ever read this in the Bible? Seeking whom he may devour. Well, the people that he devours are the people that like God's like, don't do that, and they go do it. Well, it's not really that bad. Well, it is if God says it is. If the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin and then you can't do it in faith, then it's bad. There's a number of areas. You see what I'm saying? But we have to be very careful to the portals that we allow the devil in through our eyes, through our ears, right? Through our minds. You, you, you understand? Your minds, ultimately, what gets played over and over on your minds gets in your heart and comes out of your mouth. And then your tongue's the rudder of your life and then your life goes there. And so what you're meditating on your mind is the direction that your life is going to go in. And so that's why you have to be so careful about what you're thinking about. You have to really, the Bible's like, man, you need to guard your heart. Guard your heart and mind. And so if the devil's playing stuff on your mind and you're listening to that all the time, it gets in your heart, it comes out of your mouth from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Your tongue, like a rudder, drives your life in that direction. And God's like, man, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So he stands back and he tries to tell people, look, if you will listen to what I say, Get the knowledge of the word, then, then you walk carefully during the generation that you live in, and you will be able to avoid all this stuff that's trying to come against you. Ultimately, the good news is victory has been purchased at the cross. Jesus did win victory at the place of the skull, which means grace is available to be free in the mind, but we must guard our hearts and minds. Can you say amen? 2 Peter 2.4 says this. I want you to see this in Scripture. For God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. Now, this particular Scripture is talking about, hey, if ministers don't do what they're supposed to do, he's going to judge them too. 
So it's a scary thing for preachers. Every preacher ought to read this because we got preachers all across the land that are changing doctrine to please people. I thought the goal was to please God. Can you say amen? Everyone say the goal is to please God, not people. If you try to please people, man, you will, your whole life will be a roller coaster. You know, I try to tell people, you know, you have to, you have to find out what you believe in and then stand up for it. You know, and the thing is, is I've said this before and people won't share their faith. They won't talk about, oh, you know, Jesus is my savior, you know, and I'm not saying that you got to run up to every person on the street, but the thing is you need to be ready to give a defense for who you believe in. And the thing is, as I said, is, you know, is I won't give a nickel to somebody's faith if they won't testify about it. Well, what do you believe? Well, you know, it's just very personal to me. I mean, you know, he, he died a naked, shameful death on the cross. He didn't, he, he didn't keep it in the dark, did he? He was right out there, naked, naked. And broken and beaten. And, you know, we talked about it. His beard was ripped out. His back was ripped open to the point you could see the organs inside of him. His nails through his hands, that crown of thorns and all that. And he was exposed. He exposed himself for our sake. And I feel like that I have a duty and I feel like the church has a duty no matter what to stand up for him. Remember what Paul said? He goes, he goes I know in whom I believe. If you really know him, then you would not be afraid to talk about him. You understand? Otherwise, what you have is you've heard about him, but maybe you don't know him. There's a difference. You know, some people, they feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit and they believe and the devil tells them, oh, you're saved, you're fine, just because they, they have a knowledge of right and wrong because the Holy Spirit convicts them of sin, but yet their life is completely in sin. Now listen, you don't need to clean up your life to come to Christ, but having come to Christ, the life should be cleaning up. Because if your faith isn't working here, how's it going to get you there? You, you know what I mean? I believe there are people in churches all across America who are just wrapped up in, in stuff that the Bible's very clear that you can't do, and somehow they're feeling like, no, I'm saved. And yet the Bible's like, don't let anybody deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, and he lists a whole bunch of things, the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. And I don't mean to be all fire and brimstone, but the thing is, is we have to submit ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit inside of us because he will lead us into what is right. He will lead us into all what? Truth. Okay, insight, wherever we have a thought life that is not submitted to God, there's the potential for enemy assault. And a lot of people are struggling in their minds, right? They're struggling in their minds and we're like, okay, we want to um, get free in our mind, but then we have areas of our mind that are unsubmitted to God. And so I'm trying to get you to see that the anxiety and the depression and the thoughts and all, a lot of times there are ways that the enemy's getting through and God's trying to say, you have to deal with this area in your life. And if you deal with this area, then he'll stop being able to have access to your mind. Now, if this isn't for you, you, I'm sure you can teach somebody else what I'm talking about, right? If you're like, no, I'm doing good. I got all those. I'm sure that there are people because they're everywhere that are messed up and they're thinking and you'll be able to help them. So he says, um, wherever we have a thought life that's not submitted to God, there's the potential for enemy assault. Why would God allow this? He uses this reality to move us toward holiness. The only answer to life's issues is to become Christ-like. When the enemy assaults us and assaults us and assaults us in a certain area, uh, what will happen is we realize if we don't submit that area to Christ, the enemy will keep coming and it gets worse and worse and worse. So ultimately, we close that area up and we give it to Jesus, right? And we bring it into light. And then when the enemy comes attack, he finds Jesus standing in the very place where he used to attack. Are you hearing me? And the enemy is terrified of Jesus Christ. I need you to understand how terrified he is to see Jesus. A person who, who has humility and holiness, the devil is afraid of them because Jesus is ruling and reigning in the very places where the enemy used to be able to attack, okay? 
Now, I want to show you a story so you can see from the word how this attack on someone's mind and corresponding manipulation of their emotions, emotions causes them to fall. That was a whole lot. I want you to show you how their mind and their emotions and how the enemy attacked them caused them to fall. If we could pull this up real quickly. Um, Genesis chapter 4. It says, Now Adam and Eve, now Adam knew, his, knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I've acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was angry and his countenance fell. Now, real quickly, in case you're wondering, here's what happened. Is Abel brought the first fruits, and Cain, in the course of time, he brought the leftovers. And God wants to be first. He wants to be the center of every part of our life. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, then all the other stuff you want will be added to you. I'm going really quickly now, but you with me? That was the issue here. In case you're wondering, is, is that Cain, in the course of time, brought the leftovers, but Abel brought the first fruit. Now, if you think about this, Cain actually worked a lot harder than Abel. How hard is it to shepherd animals? I mean, I've seen them in Africa. You know, they take the, the goats out and stuff, and then they sit down on the ground with a stick, and they're kicking the stick, and they're playing, and the animals are eating. You know what I mean? But in order to plant something, think about the process you have to go through. Now, do you remember God had just cursed the ground, right? And now uh, Cain, probably not a good idea, is like, I'm going to plant crops. That's what I'm going to do, you know. So he starts planting crops, and he's got to dig up the ground, and he's got to plant them, and he's fertilizing them, and he's got to weed them, he's got to water them, he's got to go through that whole process. And I guess when he got all done, he felt like, you know what? I shouldn't have to give this first part to God. I'm the one who did that hard work. You see that thought? It probably entered in. But Abel, you know, he took the first fruit, and he brought it to God. So it said Cain got angry because God didn't accept his offering. So he got angry. Now, how did God know he was angry? Look closely his countenance he didn't look happy have you ever met somebody who doesn't look happy sometimes i'll see people in school and i'm like good morning how are you you know fine like you're not fine i can tell you know i'm no rocket scientist but i can tell that you're not fine (laughs) something's bothering you the kids are even worse because if they get in little arguments their friends like how you doing fine She's not fine. Not at all. Or the best. Honey, how are you today? Fine. She's not. (laughs) And if you want a happy marriage, add these words to your vocabulary. I'm sorry. I was wrong. (laughs) Sometimes you don't even know what you did. But it goes a long way. You know, if you get the fine over and over and over, then you know there's an issue. So his countenance gets all messed up. God looks at him and he's like, Cain, is something bothering you? Because you don't look yourself. And he was all angry. Now watch what he says. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? Do the right thing. It'll go well with you. Right? I mean, I tell my little kids that all the time. You know, do the right thing. It's going to go fine. If you do not do well, listen to this. You need to go home and read this in your Bible and underline it and highlight it and everything. If you don't do well, sin is lying at the door and its desires for you. I'm telling you, before you call me to preach, this scripture right here, I was meditating on this and I knew that this was the next thing that God was going to have me share. 
Jesus knocks on the door of your heart, but guess what else is knocking? Sin. Sin is knocking at your door. Now listen, here's the crazy part. Wouldn't you think that if God showed up and warned you, you'd listen? It's one thing if a brother comes to you and is like, you know, you probably don't want to do this. But if God shows up, Cain, come here. (laughs) You need to look out because sin is coming after you. It's at your door. It's desires for you. God's having this conversation. God is telling him. That's how, listen, the fact that he rejects that advice, that's how powerful emotions can be. You understand? Is even when you know the right thing to do, if you allow your emotions to take over, it can be extremely difficult to do the right thing. Now, God's made us emotional people, you know, and God's, God has emotions. You know, the Bible said he who sits on the throne laughs. It says he has righteous indignation. God can get angry, all these type of things, but God doesn't react and live based on his emotions. Aren't you glad? Because if God was like emotional, he has emotions, but if he was emotional, if God was emo, we'd all been crispy critters a long time ago, right? When you do something wrong, he doesn't go, that's it. I'm tired of you. You make me so angry. Lightning. And he doesn't do that. You understand? People do that, right? Now, if you're an emotional person, you need to know this about yourself because this is, the, this is an area that the enemy and people will try to manipulate you in. I'm extremely emotional. Okay, I have that Mediterranean side to me. And, you know, and thank God Irish people can be really happy sometimes. <laughs> That's funny. But I'm an extremely emotional person. If you know that about yourself, then you, then you can be guarded against that. And I try to tell people all the time, when you're, if you know you're an emotional person, you can't make big decisions during the time that you're emotional. Okay? Now... Cain is meditating on this thing enough it's affecting his countenance. God shows up and tells him, he's like, dude, I know something's bothering you. Look at you. And he's like, if you do well, things are going to go well for you. But if you don't, I'm warning you that sin is at the door. Now, on a purely natural level, here's what Cain needed to do. And I'm dead serious about this. He needed to go jogging. He needed to go for a run. Because on a purely natural level, when you exercise, it produces serotonin, norepinephrine, and dopamine. You guys know this because I taught you this in class. Yes. Serotonin, norepinephrine, and dopamine in your brain. The feel-good neurotransmitters in your brain. And so what happens when you're really emotional and upset and you go exercise, you'll find that that will leave you. I remember a couple years ago, I was like really annoyed at something going on at school. I get annoyed like all of you. (laughs) Okay. Sometimes even much more. And I was really annoyed at some stuff going on at school. And then there was something going on with my sister, go figure. And my mom had texted me and she texted me like six or seven times. And she was like, you know, this is important. Call me as soon as you're out and this and that. But I was so stressed out about something going on at school that I knew that I couldn't handle the thing right now with the family, right? So I was like, you know what? I'm going for a run. So I, I left school. I put on my shorts and I put on my running shoes and I went to Whisper Room Pines Park and I parked the car and I ran the perimeter as fast as I could, which is not very fast, but it was as fast as I could go. And I had my time run and I remember I looked at it and about 23 minutes in, I felt like, I feel pretty good. I felt it right here. They used to call it runner's high back in the 70s. It's actually chemical stuff going on in your brain. And when I got to the end of it, I, you know, I called up my mom and I was like, hey, what's, I was fine. You see what I'm saying? So sometimes when you're emotional, you need to go running and not have a conversation. I am dead serious. You understand? You need to go do some exercise. If Cain had gone and ran a half marathon, he would not have killed Abel. 
But he didn't go running and he didn't listen to God. When God told him, sin's at the door and you better deal with it. Instead, he began to meditate. See, a thought comes and the thought was angry, not just at God, but now it's towards somebody. Because not only is God upset with me, but he's happy with you, which makes me not like you. And then look at this. It said, um, now Cain talked talk with Abel, his brother. So they were out in the field and then he had a conversation with the last person that he wanted to have a conversation with at the wrong time. He did not go running. He did not listen to God. And so now they're in the field and probably the conversation went something like this. You know, I work a lot harder than you. You're sitting over there in your tail. I'm doing all this work and then God doesn't accept me and he accepts you. And then Abel might have said something like, well, if you would just do what God tells you to do, then everything would be fine. And then Cain killed him. Anger took over. Look at me. I got to go quickly. In your brain, what happens is the very first time you perform an activity or have a thought, the very first time, billions of neurons come and they arrange themselves into a pattern, okay, so that electrical impulses can flow through your brain so you can think. Okay, that's why when you do something for the very first time, it's difficult. You can all tie your shoes and, you know, probably chew gum and talk at the same time, right? Because, and you think, well, because you're older. No, because if I brought a Navy guy in here and started trying to teach you knots, you would all fail. <laughs> you understand? Your first try because that, that pathway's not there yet. But the more that you do something over and over and over, the more that you think something or perform a certain task, that pathway in your brain gets wider. The reason is so that electrical impulses can flow through there quicker so you can perform that activity quicker. This is the way that God, and without thinking, this is why when you drive to work every morning, you're not thinking, how do I get there? But the first time you're going somewhere, you got your GPS or you got your directions and you're following directions, but once you've done it over and over and over, you, you're not even thinking, how do I get to work? Because you've gone from conscious to subconscious level of your brain. Are you with me? Okay? Conscious to subconscious level of your brain. So what happens is when you meditate on the wrong thing over and over and over again, it is forming a stronghold in your mind. Are you hearing me? And the Bible says we're supposed to tear down those strongholds. Now here's the good news is you can form positive strongholds in your brain too. If you think the right things all the time, that becomes the stronghold in your brain. See, that's why we need to listen to what God said, not what the devil said. Well, here's what happened. You have Cain who's obviously upset at Abel and upset with God and sin was lying at the door, which tells you the devil was involved. Now listen, there was a prophecy that said that from the seed of the woman, there would be one that would crush Satan. Don't you think Satan had an interest in killing these kids? He didn't know it was Jesus. He probably thought it was them. They were the children. And so he comes, sin is lying at the door and here's the thought. I'm angry. I'm meditating on it. Listen to me to the point it affected him physically. He's so angry that people can look on his outside and say something's going on on the inside. Are you hearing me? That's how emotional we can be. And we need to understand these things about ourselves or sin that's lying on the door will get us as victims too. How many of, ever, of you have ever made an emotional decision you regret? Exactly. The longer you live, the more you make. However, victory was purchased at the place of the skull. The blood has made grace available to have a sound mind and not be led by your emotions. In the same way that God is not led by his emotions, you don't have to be led by your emotions. That means when anxiety and depression and fears and anger and unforgiveness and all these things, see what happens if somebody does something to you and you think about it over and over and over again, you are reinforcing that stronghold in your brain. Are you hearing me? And then here's the Bible saying, if you don't forgive, you cannot be forgiven. 
And then here's the devil going, no, no, that's not true. God understands this person did something so horrible to you. You're the exception. You understand? And we want to keep thinking that, keep thinking that, and keep thinking that. And it builds a stronghold of thinking in our life. When you think something over and over and over and meditate it, it goes from your head to your heart, out your mouth. And then you go do it. Look what happened. They had a conversation. The overflow of his heart. What he'd been meditating on and thinking about and the anger that God tried to save him from rose up and caused him to do the very thing he was thinking about. Because when the thought came, kill Abel, he didn't crucify that thought with the truth, thou shalt not kill. Now he didn't have the scriptures in his hand, but you do. Isn't it funny? These are the very scriptures that are like, let's take these away from children. Do you know what? I'm going to tell you now, if every teacher in America would get born again and just start preaching the Bible in school, there would be nothing they can do. The problem is you've got Christians everywhere that are like, I'm afraid. You understand? Everywhere. We've got to stand up and preach the truth. Amen. So these neural pathways that were going on in Cain, this is how the enemy took hold of him. Notice God tried to help him. He tried to stop what was going to happen from happening, but ultimately he's given us free will and he's asked us to take every thought captive to Christ and to enforce the victory at Calvary. So God warned him, but he didn't intervene. Right? He warned him, but he didn't intervene. This, look at me, everybody look at me. I gotta go quickly. This means that you and I, we are responsible for our actions. Whenever you say to somebody, I could teach this six weeks, guys. Whenever you say to somebody, you make me, you have given them power that you don't have to give them. Okay? Don't give anybody that power. You make me so it. No. You have a decision to be angry. And you know what? I'm going to prove you have self control. I remember years ago, Pastor preaches quick message, and he goes, You know what? I know people have self control because they could be screaming in a fight at home, and the phone rings, and they're like, Hello. <laughs> oh, you're all busted. You remember? That proves that self control is available. Man, when he preached it, I was like, Oh, I'm convicted. Down goes Pastor up. But I stuck, it was like 10 years ago, and I have not forgot it. Every once in a while, I'll be in an argument, and I'll get a little angry, and the phone will ring, and I'm like, ah, Pastor Mike! Will you ever leave me alone? Hello. Or you fight the whole way to church, and then you get inside, and you're like, good morning, brother. Right? The cool thing is, is if you do fight, then what happens is you start to worship. And as you worship and the anointing, the presence of God comes, almost every time somebody leans over and goes, I'm sorry. Chris and I, when we first got saved, we would fight the whole way to church and then the whole way home. And we hardly, listen, the truth, this is the truth. We hardly ever, ever fight anymore. We've just been together a long time. But in that beginning season when we were going after God, man, the devil's doing everything he can to get you to stop going to that place. The Bible said he comes immediately when the word is preached because he wants to steal it from you. So if that's ever happened to you, that's very normal and natural, actually. But self-control has been made available. You're to take every thought captive that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10 says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought, everyone say every thought, into captivity to the obedience of Christ. How do you cast down arguments and thoughts? How do you come out from depression, anxiety, fear, hatred, unforgiveness? The answer is through the word of God. I'm closing. 1 Peter 1.23 says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. That means the word cannot be corrupted. It is perfect. Nothing can taint it. Through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. I want you to know that that incorruptible word of God is the answer 
to all the problems that go on in your brain. That and jogging. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God, listen, is living. Hebrews 4.12, we got that? Okay, the word of God is living and powerful. Listen, this is not metaphorical. It is actually alive. It is God-breathed. That's what the scriptures, all scriptures are God-breathed. The word that God spoke is actually alive and it's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Watch this. It pierces even to the division of your soul and your spirit. That means it affects your mind, your mind, your will, and emotions. The word of God can affect your mind and your spirit. It feeds your spirit and your body. Look, and of joints and marrows. So you're a threefold creature, your spirit, your soul, and your body, and the word of God that living, powerful word can affect every single part of you. It is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Now listen, one of the reasons that pastor asked me to preach on this, it's not because he thinks I'm just a great teacher, okay? And I think he thinks I am. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. But, uh, but it's, that's just not it. It's because I've struggled. I've had struggles with fear and anxiety. I sunk into depression several years ago. And I'm going to tell you, I prayed hundreds of hours and people praying for me and anointed me and fasted. I did all the rest. And it was like I could not come out of this funk that I'd fallen in. I had some stuff happen in my life. And, and, I, and I had like a little bit of a breakdown and I just could not come back. My mind was messed up no matter how much I ran. Nothing. And what ultimately helped me is I grabbed hold of the Word of God and I made note cards for myself. I have them on a variety of subjects and I carry around the Word with me. It occurred to me that when the devil came against Jesus, Jesus used God's word to fight him back. Do you notice that? Matthew chapter 4, the devil came and attempted him, and, he, and, and Jesus, every single time, he quoted scripture back to him. And I'm like, if it worked for Jesus, it'll work for me. So when the devil would come and say to me, and I have the spirit of fear would come on me, I started quoting these scriptures. I carried these around and I would say them in the morning when I got up. And then when I got in the car, I would pull them out before I went to work. And when I got to work, before I got out of the car, I would pull them out and quote them. And then when I got into my classroom, I would pull them out and I quote them. And at the end of the day, I would quote them. And when I got in my car to go home, I would quote them. And when I got home, I would quote them. And before bed, I would quote them. And I took them like medicine and in a very short time, I was free. Look, I said, I carry this around. Greater is he that is in, with, in me than he that is in the world. I take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and I smite the enemy with it. It gave me power. God has given me authority and power over all to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will by any means hurt me. Because I fear the name of the Lord, the Son of Righteousness arises with healing in its wings. I will go forth like a calf from his stall and tread down the wicked. They shall be ashes under the soles of my feet. You see how this empowers you when you take it 12 times a day, right? The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. And then I put my name in there. Rob, I am leaving my peace with you. My peace I give to you, Rob. Let not your heart be troubled or afraid. God is my salvation and I put my trust in him and I am not afraid. The Lord is my light and my salvation and I will not be afraid of anything. When the wicked comes against me to consume me, my flesh and my flesh, they stumble and fall. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. And now my head shall be lifted above my enemies and I will sing with joy praises to my Lord. Jesus came to give me abundant 
an overflowing, victorious life. God wants me to prosper in all things and be in health, even as my soul prospers. This word of the Lord shall not depart from my mouth, but I shall meditate on it day and night. I shall never stop speaking it, and therefore I will do what it says, and my way is prosperous and filled with success, and everything I do prospers. I am not afraid. The Lord is with me, and I am not dismayed, for my God strengthens me and helps me, and he upholds me with his son Jesus and says to me, fear not, I am with you, and I will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid, Rob. Only believe. Do not fear. Be discouraged, Rob. I am with you. Do not fear, Rob, for the Lord your God will fight for you. Fear not, says the Lord. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine, and when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you go through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flames scorch you. For I, the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, am with you. And there's a lot more. Do you understand what that does to you? I'm just getting jacked up right now when you hear that type of stuff. I love that part. It said, and now my head will be lifted up. I'm like, did you hear that devil? Right now my head is lifted above you. Leave me in the name of Jesus. And the Bible said they'll come one way and flee seven. Are you hearing me? And in a very short time, I was free. Because that word of God is a sword. You understand? It's a sword. We've been given a shield. We've been given a helmet. Right? We've been given a belt to hold the pants up. Praise the Lord. But we've been given a sword. And the thing is, is sometimes when the enemy's coming after you and he gets closer and closer and closer, you have to use that sword. You understand? And there is freedom available because of Calvary. Because of Golgotha, because of the place of the skull, there's freedom that has been made available and there's been grace given to you to wield that sword. Now, I gave you note cards. How many got your note cards? Now, listen, here's what happens. You tell people this and they're like, well, that's too much. That's too hard for me to go home and write a few scriptures and carry them down. And then they, they stay in the same bondage. I'm telling you right now, no matter what you're going through in your mind, the word of God works. It's incorruptible. It will not return void. It will accomplish the thing that God sent it to accomplish. You will reap what you sow. If you sow the word in you, it will reproduce good things in your life. So we're going we're gonna to get a script. We're going to write it down. I know we've gone a long time today. We're going to write a scripture down together, our first one together. We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 6. If you could put that back up there. And we're going to copy the scripture down. This could be our very first one. And, and th- listen, there's more. If you want more, there's more in the back. But leave it up for a second service. <laughs> and you're going to go ahead and you're going to write down this scripture. Look, the word of God is living and powerful sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. We need a T. It's supposed to be the heart, not the here. But <laughs> that was my fault. And we write the scripture down. And whatever else is going on in your life, and whatever lies the enemy is speaking to you, you go to the Bible and you find the scriptures for that thing that's going on in your life. If it's anxiety, the Bible says all kinds of things about do not be anxious, do not worry. It's all kinds of stuff. It's about fear of health. There's all kinds of scriptures on healing. You could, just, you could just go to Google and Google scriptures on healing and there are pages and pages and pages of them and you write them down and you carry them around. If it's unforgiveness, there's all kinds of scriptures on forgiveness. And you're like, man, I, I'm so mad at this person. I don't want to be anymore. I'm surrendering that to you, God. And you want to build a new thought life. You want to build a new neural pathway. Think about what's going on inside your brain. Do you see what happened? Is, is, as I begin to quote those scriptures, new strongholds of thinking were taking place in my mind, and they were, ch- they were changing the way that I think. And when you change the way you think, that gets in your heart, it comes out of your mouth, and now your mouth is drawn to the very word of God. You learned some stuff today. It's been worth it.
Amen. Before you leave, I want you to take this, those cards home, and I want you to write some scriptures down for your life. And, and it, seriously, I know there's probably people here struggling with something, and I want you to carry them around with you, and I want you to say them, take them like medicine five or six times a day, and I promise you in a very short time, your circumstances, whatever's going on with you, your life is going to change because the Word of God won't return void. Picture that you are actually sowing seed into the ground and that the harvest that's coming forth is whatever you, you uh, sent in there. Now, we're going to transition services, first to second service, and, and as soon as you're done with your cards, you can stay, you can write two or three, you can use the front and the back, I use the fronts and the back sometimes too, so you can do that, and you know, save trees, and, uh, and then you guys, uh, you can hang if you want, we're going to sing this great worship song. Hold on, and, 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 and then you can, you can, uh, you guys can go ahead and leave quietly if you need to, but here's the thing, we're going to pray for anybody who's been struggling in their mind, okay, because we're, we're going to go ahead and pray for you, and, uh, and, and if you need to go, you can go, but we're going to pray, and then I want you to lay hold of that word and take those scriptures, but if you stay, then I want you to, and I encourage you to stay, I want you to worship with us, and uh, as we sing this beautiful song about the cross, and, um, in the, and we're going to pray for you. So if you need prayer, please come and, and let us pray for you. Pastor Mike. Amen.